Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Mark 12, 28 through 34. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Mark in your Bible. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that, he answered them well. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribes said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. Well, the last couple of weeks, we've been journeying with Jesus on the way towards Jerusalem. And we've said over and over again that the way or the road for Mark is kind of a metaphor for discipleship, for growing and understanding who it is that Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do, and consequently who we are and what God is calling us to do. Uh, we've, we've gone through this thing, and the disciples, well, they haven't, they haven't always picked up on what Jesus is saying. And Jesus had said some pretty disturbing things uh, to them. They're, you know, they're his followers, and he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be betrayed and handed over and uh, beaten and, and abused, and ultimately I'm going to die. Uh, but I'll be raised from the dead, so don't worry about that. But all they hear is that, uh, is that death part at the beginning. Um, and uh, so uh, Peter, for his part, one of Jesus' main disciples, re- even goes so far as to rebuke Jesus for saying, hey, like, no, this isn't gonna, how this is going to be because you are the Messiah. You are the one who's going to save Israel from everything. You save them from their sins. You're going to save us from the Romans. It's going to be great. Uh, and so the, the disciples don't, well, they're a little slow. And uh, I, I, more often than not, I think I, I identify more with the disciples than I, than I should in terms of being slow. Some of you may have uh, smart comments about that, but uh, you can make those later. All right. Well, they're, they're, um, Mark, they're in their way to Jerusalem. They've actually made them their self, uh, they have made it into Jerusalem. Uh, we skipped over a passage of scripture uh, that's Jesus' triumphal a- entry into the city. You guys remember that one? There's uh, a donkey, and he's riding on a donkey, and there's uh, palm branches, and they say, Hosanna, blessed is the one who came. Yeah, yeah we do that with kids every year uh, around Easter time. Well, they've made it into the, the city, and Jesus has gone into the temple. And the temple area will be for him not, not really a great place. It's going to be a, a place of conflict. Uh, over and over again, and, and even as this journey has taken them to Jerusalem, Jesus has had religious leaders and people who are trying to trap him into saying blasphemous things uh, ask him questions. Uh, over and over again, they have asked him questions. 
uh, about what he thinks about the law. And this, this isn't super uncommon for, for someone who claims to be a teacher. Uh, this time, though, they, he's in the temple area, and a scribe comes to him and asks him a question. Uh, now, a scribe is someone who's concerned with Jewish law and sacrifices and rituals. So he's a religious leader, if you will, and, and he's kind of given his life to understanding how Israel worships uh, and, and what they do in that regard. Uh, whereas all of the other people who have come and questioned Jesus have motives that are less than pure. Uh, this fellow seems to be genuinely concerned, genuinely concerned with what Jesus might, might say in his response to his question. Uh, he may even want, in his mind, to follow Jesus, even though he knows that a lot of his friends, uh, well, they're out to get him, or that they at least are very, very suspicious of him. So, Mark tells us, One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Now, this is not a atypical question. This is a normal question, actually. And it was kind of common because there were rabbis that, that would go around teaching, like Jesus kind of did, obviously maybe without the, uh, with the healing the sick and claiming to be the Messiah part of that. Uh, but they would have disciples and, and people from other, well, that, that wanted to know what exactly the, the, the rabbi thought was the basic intention and trajectory of, uh, of the law what's the most important thing? If we could distill it down to just one, one thing, what would that be? And it, would, it would help the questioner get a really good glimpse as to what the rabbi was, what, what his commitments were, and, and how he was going to teach. And maybe he could follow him, who knows. Uh, so this isn't an, uh, uh, an unusual question. In fact, uh, there was a, a famous rabbi, his name is Hillel. And uh, one day a, G- a Gentile came up to him, so a non-Jewish person came up to him and asked him, he's like, I need you to summarize all of the law while I stand here on one leg. Is this something? I'm naturally, no, I'm not really. It's a miracle I didn't fall over. And, uh, and so the rabbi says, okay, you stand there with one leg. And he says, that which is hateful to you do not do to others. The rest is commentary. So uh, we'll, see, we'll see in a moment that, that Jesus' response to this man is not even all that uncommon. But I think that if we, if we go just a little bit deeper with what Jesus says, we'll, we'll uncover some things that I think are important for us as, uh, as, as followers of Christ and as a church. So Jesus answered him and said, The first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, um, not surprisingly, uh, in in order to answer his question, Jesus goes to uh, the Old Testament. Well, it really wasn't the Old Testament at that point, because the New Testament wasn't a thing, right? Uh, Specifically, he goes to the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Did I get up in the right order? Okay, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, we'll talk later, son. (laughs) Anyway, he he starts by this, and and he... um, 
he, he recites the first kind of phrase of what the Jewish people call the Shema. Uh, Shema means hear or listen. And it's the, it's the first word in uh, um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4. I think that's what it is. And uh, it, it occupies an important place because not only does it like call Israel to listen, but it's the confession of who God is. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, your, our God, the Lord is one. Uh, so in Israel, we have this great confession that there is one God, and his name is Yahweh. And he is the God of gods, the king of kings. Um, there is no other God beside him. And this is really in, in contrast to all of the societies that were around Israel at the time, even from the very beginning, who had lots and lots of other guys, gods and whose gods fought for supremacy. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I serve a stronger God because my God beat up your God, that kind of thing. And, and Israel saying, no, wait, this is, this is who God is. God is, is one and there are no others. And he's the God of creation, spoke the world into existence. Uh, he, Jesus, I think, does this not just because um, it's you know, part of that and he's drawing uh, his leader, listeners' attention to everything else that that passage says. I think he's doing it partly to confess his, uh, well, his complete orthodoxy, his complete right belief. Like He is confessing that God is one, which is uh, just something that the Jews would have done, even while himself saying that he is the Son of God, right? that he is God. That's what Christianity has confessed from, from the beginning that, that, that God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit exist in a trinity, that they're the same. Uh, so Jesus is God. Now that's, that's, that's a whole lot of conversation. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm teaching a church history class for other pastors. And uh, we started at the beginning and like the first 500 years of church history is all about trying to figure out like how we talk about God as one and three at the same time. So if you're interested, I can bore you for days with early church heresies and uh, dead people who write a lot. Um, so he is, he, is, um, he is affirming his place. He's like, I am, I am, fully, I am fully Jewish. This is, this is who I am. Uh, I am one of you, even though I'm, I'm God as well. Uh, well, he, uh, he, he modifies a little bit here. Um, he modifies, let's see, okay, yeah, he modifies uh, the, the verse just a little bit. And so, um, yeah, actually, we'll do this one right there. Okay, so if we, if we take Mark 12, 30, which is what he's saying, and Deuteronomy 5, you shall love the Lord, with your, uh, Lord your God with all of your heart and with your soul and with your mind and with your strength. So that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, the original goes like this. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Now, I don't want to make a, too big of a distinction between what Jesus or the Old Testament meant by heart and soul and might uh, and, and all of those kinds of things. I, I think what Jesus is pointing to here is the fact that like, the, part of the greatest commandment, the summation of all law, is that you and I love God with our entire being. Uh, that, that the way we, way we talk and live and act and, and our strength and our mind. Like, I, I was trying to explain to the kids, right? Like, I, there, is, there is a nasty bit, uh, a, a train of thought in Protestant Christianity in America. 
that, that doesn't really like, uh, well, that doesn't want to use their brain in thinking about, well, a lot of things. Uh, that, that doesn't value necessarily uh, thoughtful theological reflection or thoughtful biblical uh, scholarship that, that just kind of wants to, to, to dumb it down a little bit. And I think, I think what Jesus is saying is that with your mind, with the mind that he created for you, uh, with its immense potential to think deep, deep thoughts, uh, to produce scientific wonders, uh, to work for engineering, to build all these kind of great things that we have, that those things, that, that your mind is part of the way that you end up loving God. Uh, that none of our being gets left behind. Uh, I, I really think, and I think we'll say this at the end, uh, that if we love God with our mind and, and try to serve him with our, with our mind, uh, that we do things and we create things that end up helping us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. So that's what you get. Uh, so without speeding, uh, skipping a beat, Jesus goes on. He says, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandments greater than these. Well, where, where the first commandment comes from the book of Deuteronomy, the second uh, commandment comes from everybody's favorite book in the Old Testament, Leviticus, right? That's where you stall out if you're trying to read through the whole shooting match. Uh, and then you get the, the numbers and you're just like, man, this is, if this is it, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but he quotes Leviticus 19.18, and, uh, and, and I, think it's, I think it's important. There's a couple of things here I think are important for us. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, one, of the, one of the phrases that has kind of become popular these days in society is the phrase self-care. You guys heard that? Um, and and it, it's really talking about like doing the things that you need to do to make sure that you're a healthy person. Um, like uh, a healthy work-life balance. Or, uh, or the ability to uh, to uh, the willingness to remove yourselves from toxic environments, maybe even toxic relationships and, and things like that. Uh, of course, it means getting good exercise and proper nutrition and, and naps, I think. <laughs> oh, but that's like the first amen I got today for naps. Uh, and I, I think as we pop popularly understand self-care, like at, at, I think at the very base of that, there is something good and right about it. Uh, that you and I need to, to take care of ourselves, right? Our whole selves, our body, our mind, our hearts, those kinds of things. Uh, that we need to love ourselves appropriately. I, I, think, I think what I want to say is that we love and care for ourselves so that we might love and care for others. If you, if you can't take care of the stuff that you've got going on, and, and that's hard sometimes, I recognize that, uh, that there is no way that you are going to adequately or appropriately love your neighbor as yourself. 
So, so I think one of the things that Jesus is calling us to is to, well, to, to find that good place, that balance that, that helps us to be healthy, to helps us to grow into the people that God is calling us to be uh, just in everyday normal life. That we might, I don't know, read a book, take a nap, go for a walk, exercise better, eat better, all those kinds of things. Now, uh, self-care can go too far. Maybe self-love can go too far, right? Um, it, it can very quickly turn into self-absorption and selfishness, right? Uh, that's why it's appropriate for us to say, like, appropriately love ourselves. Uh, because I think that when we love ourselves too much, we fail to love others And when we fail to love others, we fail to love God. I don't think God wants us to suffer in life. I I think God's given us lots of good gifts for which we should be thankful. And we should use those gifts to help ourselves be healthy. But at the end of the day, our call is to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's kind of like being on an airplane and they give the safety run through, right? And they're saying in case of a sudden depressurization and the the oxygen mask falls down, like they instruct you to put that sucker on first before you help anybody else because you are of no help to anybody if you've passed out from lack of oxygen. I think think this is what God God is calling us to. Somewhere along the line, though, I think, um, well, I think that, I think I, for me anyway, I think I've been taught that, like, if you're not suffering, uh, then you're not following Jesus correctly. (laughs) Uh, And and I know I'm not the only one who who thinks that. Um, but, But hear this word from God that calls us to take care of ourselves. Uh, now Jesus calls us to follow him, take up our cross, which means death, right? That's what that means, suffering. So maybe that's part of it, but God is calling us to love ourselves well so that we might love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, uh, there's a distinction here, and I'll go back to this. Uh, there's a distinction here. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think there's, there's, a, there's two ways we can take this. We can take it as um, to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself or in the same way that you love yourself. Uh, and I think the same way is, is the appropriate way to do this. That, like the, the, the care that you are going to take for your own self-preservation, uh, for your health and growth, that that's the way we should love our neighbor as ourselves uh, in the same way. Uh, John Wesley uh, has a sermon that's called The Way to the Kingdom, and he, he talks about this, and I'm going to quote it, and it's long, and there are these and thou's, so I am sorry. But listen to this. And the second commandment is like unto this. The second great, great branch of Christian righteousness is closely and inseparably connected therewith. Even thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love, thou shalt embrace with the most tender goodwill, the most earnest and cordial affection. 
the most inflamed desire of preventing or removing all evil and procuring for him every possible good, thy neighbor. That is not only thy friend, thy kinsman, or thy acquaintance, not only the virtuous and the friendly, him that loves thee, that prevents or returns thy kindness, but every child of man, every human creature, every soul which God hath made, not expecting him, uh, him whom thou never has seen in the flesh, whom thou knowest not either by face or name, not expect, accepting him whom thou knowest to be evil and unthankful, him that still despitefully uses and persecutes thee, him that thou, that, him thou shalt love as thyself, with the same invariable thirst after his happiness in every kind the same. I, I think we're tempted to ask ourselves, who is my neighbor? Right? I, I think that's one of the questions, well, Jesus gets asked that too. If we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves, who does that mean that we love? And I think, I think Jesus would say, and I think John Wesley here says it in the old English, right? He says it pretty clearly that, that you are to love all people as yourself. Uh, so much so that he points out that, that even those who, well, every creature, every soul which God hath made, not accepting him, thou, uh, who has never seen in the flesh, or you don't know them, you don't know their name, and you know them to be un, uh, evil and un, un... What is that? Yeah, unthankful. <laughs> this is difficult. scribe comes to Jesus and says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. And your neighbor is all of those who have been created in the image of God. Uh, the scribe responds, and he says, uh, you know, he kind of repeats back what Jesus says. This is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, this is remarkable for this man to say. Because this scribe is concerned. He has given his life to understanding Jewish worship. Uh, the commandments that God has given. Uh, all of the sacrificial things that, that were involved with the temple. And he says that what Jesus says about loving God with everything that you have and loving your neighbor as yourself, that this is more important than all of that stuff that he's given his life to studying. I think maybe, maybe to translate it into our, into our day, that we might say that loving God and loving others is more important than all of the religious things that we could do. It is more important than whether, I don't know, just the religious things. Uh, and not that I think we should stop doing some of these religious things, like meeting for worship, I think that's really important. Singing, that's really, really important. Uh, studying the Bible together, I think it's really, really important. And all those things help us, I think, to love our neighbor as ourselves. But I think at the very core, 
the very core, the most important thing for us is that we might love God and we might love our neighbor as ourselves. As I, um, as I thought about what this means maybe for us and, and how do we do this, um, I, I think if we, if, we can, if we can look at anything, if there is an act or something that you can do that is you know, moral and ethical and doesn't break any laws, that those things are ways in which we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, that every little thing that we do can be turned into an act of worship to God and an act of, act of care for our fellow human person. Uh, that means that, like I was trying to communicate to the kids, that you're studying and you're working hard in school well, I think God is honored by that, and, and that may be an avenue through which you can love your neighbor. That maybe you grow up to be a brain surgeon or a doctor that cures cancer or that you become a scientist that invents something that helps people have clean drinking water. I think it's as simple as all those little everyday acts, holding the door for someone maybe, Saying hi with a smile, complimenting somebody, telling somebody good job. I don't think it has to be super special. It doesn't have to be something that you said, God tells me to do this for you because God tells me to love my neighbor. But that this becomes who we are. Uh, that we become people who are constantly engaged with our entire body, heart, mind, soul, strength, in loving our neighbor as ourselves. I am convinced that if we are to become the church that God wants us to be, then we will be a people who are constantly engaged in loving God with all that we are and loving our neighbor in the same way that we love ourselves. All of the other things don't matter much in comparison to that. Well, we said at the beginning that the disciples are a little, are a little slow. Uh, it seems that the scribe has understood something that the disciples have failed to yet grasp. But if there's anything that we have learned from our journey with the Gospel of Mark is that God is gracious and merciful to those who are a little dense. That I think that we, while we should be the scribe and understand this at a, at a deep level, that more often than not that we are the disciples and, and that's Okay. That sometimes we'll get what Jesus is saying to us and sometimes we'll love God with everything that we have and sometimes we'll love our neighbor as ourselves and sometimes we will not. That we will get it wrong as often and maybe more than we get it right. But the good news is 
the God who created us, the God who longs for us to love him in the same way that he has loved us, and longs for us to love our neighbor, that God is gracious and forgiving. And that as we learn, as we learn to love God, as we learn maybe to love ourselves appropriately so that we can love our neighbors appropriately, that when we fail to do those things, God will be there to say, it's okay. I love you. You'll get there. Keep on going. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.